Well, good morning, church family. I'm Josh, one of the ministers here at Clear Creek, and I am so glad that you're joining us from your dining room, from your kitchen table, from your back patio, from wherever else you may be joining us this morning. Welcome to church. We are one church gathered in hundreds of locations today in little house churches. And although the first century did not have the technology we do, they did what we're doing right now, and that's gathering in smaller groups to be able to celebrate their and our risen Savior, Jesus. Now listen, we're going to have communion at the end of our gathering this morning. If you have not had a chance or taken the time to give yet, I want to invite you to go ahead and do that. You can download the On Realm app and, down, and give there. You can go to our church website, clearcreekcoc.org slash give, and give there, real simple. Or if, uh, if you're like a lot of us and you're kind of old school on this, just write a check and you can send it to the church office. Um, but your gifts help us, especially during this season, be able to help our community uh, that is in such great need, especially with so many of our businesses shut down. So invite you to do that. Hey, one other quick thing before we dive in today. I want to make sure that in this season of social distancing, you remain connected. And you can do that in three big ways. Number one, I'm glad you're here this morning. You make a commitment to join us every week at 1045 for worship. Participate in the gathering. You say, how do I do that? Easy. In the comments section, say where you're coming from, what you're doing. Say hi to the other people you see in there. If you recognize someone, say hi to them. Ask them how they're doing. If you agree with something in the message, give an amen in the comments, whatever. But be a part of it. Don't be passive. Be a participant today. Number two, I want to invite you to join us for our Wednesday prayer time at noon. It's online on Facebook and on Instagram Live. Facebook and Instagram Live will have links on our website directly to them. So 12 noon on Wednesday. It was great this week. We had a wonderful interaction. Uh, and I would invite you to be a part of that. And the third thing is get with your house church online. There's a lot of ways to do that. If you have questions, you just reach out to us, office at clearcreekcoc.org. Let us know what questions you have, what you need. We'll help you get set up. If you're not in a house church and you'd like to, you let us know. We'll help you with that. In fact, our, we believe everyone needs to be in one, uh, including our staff. So this week and last week and week before, we've been uh, meeting together. In fact, here's a picture of one of our meetings. Um, yeah, the staff infection. So... Get in a group, be a part of it. That's how you can stay connected in the season of social distancing. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning because we're finishing up our Awaken series. Awaken has been 30 days of prayer and fasting where we're asking God to wake us up to His purpose and His presence in our city, our world, and that we would be people who bring the hope of Jesus into this world. And today we're finishing it up by looking one last time to Luke chapter 10, where Jesus is, real, is sending out 72 followers to share the good news of God with others. And now we're reading about when they come back. And there's going to be something here this morning that I believe God wants us to hear for this moment in our lives. So let's look at it together, beginning in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says this, the 72, that's the disciples Jesus sent out in verses 1 and 2. Now they're coming back. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He, that's Jesus, replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, pay real close attention to this verse. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except for the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. My message this morning is awaken us to God's perspective. Awaken us to God's perspective. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you, wake us up to what you see, to hear what you hear, so we may be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, and I hope you're typing amen in the comment section. Amen. Amen. Perspective, kind of an interesting thing. Sometimes we'll hear about how two people will be arguing and one will say, well, that's just your perspective. Well, what is a perspective? Well, your perspective is how you view and process what's happening. Your perspective and everyone else's perspective is how you view and process what is happening. So right now in our world, a lot of things are happening. Same situation generally, but we're processing it and viewing it in different ways. I was reminded of the story told by Douglas Adams, a British author. Back in the 1970s, he said he hopped a train early in the morning on a business trip. He's wearing his suit and hat, briefcase, newspaper in hand. But it was early in the morning, so he's kind of hungry, so he stopped over, picked up some cookies, a little pack of eight cookies. They call them biscuits. And got a cup of coffee, went, sat down at the table, not too uh, dissimilar to this one. And as he sat there reading his newspaper, a gentleman sat across from him reading his paper. And Douglas said things were going fine until unexpectedly the man sitting across the way reached in front of him and took Douglas's bag of cookies, opened it up, took one out, and proceeded to eat it in front of Douglas. And Douglas said, I'm a British man. He said, nothing in my upbringing prepared me for what to do in this kind of situation. He said, now, if I were raised in Los Angeles, I'd have pulled a knife or a gun, but I'm from Britain. Instead, I sat there and did what every Brit knows to do in a situation like that. Pretend it didn't happen. And so he thought, well, I just won't say anything. And I know, I'll take a cookie so the guy will know that it's really mine and he'll apologize. So he takes a cookie. He eats it really loud in front of the other man. Well, the other man didn't notice, it seems, because a moment later, the other man reaches across and gets another cookie and eats it. At this point, Douglas is like, I don't know what to do. Now I really can't say those are my cookies. So instead, Douglas said, I don't want him to eat all my cookies. So he starts eating them himself. He gets another one, eats it. But as he's eating his, the man gets another one. So then Douglas eats another one. The man eats another one until back and forth until they're all gone and they sit in absolute silence. He said it was the most awkward, 
awful commute he's ever had. They finally get to their destination. The man hops up, grabs his stuff, briefcase, newspaper, hat. And as he's leaving, he turns around, gives Douglas this weird look, and then turns back and leaves. Douglas said, it's so strange, but I'm just glad it's over. He grabbed his own stuff, his briefcase, his hat, and he grabbed his newspaper off of the table. And when he lifted it, he looked down, and there, under his newspaper, was his bag of cookies. He had been eating the other guy's cookies. And Douglas said, I love the fact that now for almost 50 years, there's another British man who's been walking around telling the same story, but he doesn't know the punchline to the story. I wonder how many people, because of our limited perspective, know only part of the story, and we do not know the punchline to the story. Jesus wants you to know the punchline, the big so what to the entire story? And he tells it to us in this passage. You see, the 72 have been sent out in power, commissioned by Jesus, appointed to spread hope, not fear, together in all the places that Jesus was going to be going. They do. They have great success. And in verse 17, where we picked it up, they come back and they are thrilled because the demons of all things have listened to them. Now, side note, demons are angels that have rebelled against God and now fight against the things of God because they rebelled against God. And so they're saying, even these demons obey and they are thrilled. They come back and they're like, Jesus, woohoo, it's great. They're high-fiving and, and, and they're like, you will never believe what just happened. The demons listen to us. And Jesus is like, well, yeah, I kind of would guess that would happen because I told you it would happen. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? that sometimes we only know things when we're obedient to what Jesus says. We experience certain things only when we are obedient. And they are so excited about this. And it made me wonder this week, like, what is it that gets you excited? Like, what do you wake up at night thrilled about? What's that thing that when you get that news, when you get that thing, when you hear about this, when you do that, you've got to call a friend. You, you, you shout, yeah, or maybe you do a little funny happy dance. What is it? that gets you excited. For them, it was that the demons listened. And I love how Jesus doesn't shoot them down. He, he doesn't say, nah, that's not it. Instead, he, he says, that is great news. In fact, in verse 18, he says, I saw Satan fall from heaven. In other words, when God's people move into the neighborhood, when Jesus' presence, when the presence of the Holy Spirit comes into a dark place, and the light is lit. Darkness cannot stay, but it flees. When Jesus goes into a place, the devil has to move out. My question to you also this morning is, hey, if we were to leave this city, if we were to move, would our neighbors notice? After all, when we move into a place, if Jesus is with us, the darkness should flee. The devil should flee. And so Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven it is a glorious thing that you saw the same thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. But, but in verse 20, he says, however, do not rejoice that the demons submit to you. Now, now you got to wonder in that split second, when Jesus said that, you've got to wonder. They're thinking, well, if not that, then Jesus, what is greater than that? What should we be more excited over than demons submitting? And he says this, he says, 
but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love this imagery. He says, you know, as exciting as that is that demons submit what is even far greater in God's perspective is that your name is written in heaven. It's this idea of a heavenly census. I know right now we're all taking census information to say I'm a part of the nation or this is my role in the nation. There's a heavenly census and Jesus says, you rejoice that you are part of that census. This is an incredible passage because he uses that little word are. Everybody say are, like a pirate though. Are, okay? That word are, it's not future tense. You will be part of the kingdom. You will have your name in heaven. He says, right now, you are as secure in heaven as you will be on the day of your graduation from this earth. You are, you are, you are there. In fact, he then says, your names are written. Now that word written comes from a little Greek word. Want to learn a Greek word? Okay, here we go. Say this after me. The Greek word is engrapho. Engrapho. Good job. It means written, inscribed, or engraved. It's the idea of taking a hammer and a chisel to a piece of stone and hammering in the stone certain words. Your name. Right now, if you are in Christ, then your name has been engraved in heaven. You are a part of the heavenly family forever. And I, and I was thinking about it. What, what does it take to erase engraving? I mean, that's not something you can just take a magic eraser over. I was thinking about a friend of mine earlier this week who a few years ago, her son was three, and he was a precocious little kid. He didn't like to take naps. So when it was time for nap time, he found one of mommy's black Sharpie markers. He hid it in his uh, little diaper, or I guess his pull-up, And during nap time, she said after nap time, she came and she checked on him. She's like, hey, little Johnny. His name's not Johnny, but names change to protect the guilty. She walks in and she said it was like he had painted the first three feet of his walls in black. They did everything they could to get rid of it. They used the magic eraser. That didn't work. They tried other things. Didn't work. They even tried painting over it. And she said the the Sharpie just kept bleeding through the paint. But notice this, Jesus does not write your name with a pencil. He doesn't even write your name with a sharpie. He engraves your name in heaven. In other words, your name, your position is secure with him. Jesus says, I want to raise your gaze, elevate your perspective. The thing that should get you on fire today, church, more than anything else is not that demons flee, not that you've got a good job, not that you're healthy. Not any of these things. What should get you the most excited is that your name is engraved in heaven. He's like, I'm glad you love those things. But here's the deal. I don't want you to rejoice over ministry results because ministry results are fickle. How many of us know that this world is a fickle place? Jesus says, I don't want you to rejoice over your health because your health is fickle. I don't want you to rejoice over your finances because finances are fickle. I don't want you to rejoice exclusively or primarily over your relationships because man, relationships can be fickle, he says. But the one thing that I want you to rejoice in is not the things that can change, but the thing that will never change. And that is that you are a child 
of God. Can I get an amen from someone online? You are with him. And then Jesus makes this incredible point. It says in Luke 10, 21, it says that Jesus was full of joy. I love that phrase, full of joy. You know why? This is the only place in the New Testament where that phrase, full of joy, is recorded, and it's recorded of Jesus. So so what is it that gives Jesus such joy that he is full of joy? Answer? It's what he just said, that your position is with him in heaven. The thing that gives Jesus great joy, the most joy, is to know that you are secure with him, that your position is with him in heaven. If that's his perspective of what brings joy, should it not also be ours? You say, man, that sounds great. That sounds great. But how do I get that? Now, now here's the reality. Some of you, you are secure and you know it. And I thank God that you get to rejoice in it. And all he would say to you, I believe, is you celebrate that today. In fact, as soon as we get off here, you tell your group, I'm so thankful Jesus has saved me. Maybe you tell a friend right now, I'm thankful Jesus has saved me. Maybe you call a relative and say, I'm so glad Jesus saved me. But you celebrate that. But there are others that are watching right now and you just don't know, do you? I want to be very bold here. You do not have to wonder if you are secure in Jesus. The Bible tells us that God wants to save all of us. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever, 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 that would be you-soever, believes in Him, shall not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. In other words, God's gift is for all people who want to receive it. It would be such a tragedy to finish these 30 days of prayer and fasting, saying, God, wake up our neighbors, wake up our city, and for some of us to still wonder about our salvation, but you don't have to anymore. You say, okay, how how can I know with certainty that I am with God? Here's the way it works. Do you notice at the very end of the passage, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. By the way, just side note, if God is Lord of heaven and earth or boss of the heaven and earth, then everything you see going on right now is not outside of God's control. He is in control of everything. Don't you want him to be the one who's in control of your life too? But he says this, he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you revealed this or showed this, not to the smart, not to the brilliant, not to the cunning or clever, but to little children. Now he's talking about these grown men and women. Why does he call them children? Because a child comes and receives humbly from his or her father. The way that you know that you can be saved is not by you achieving, but simply coming to your father and then receiving. Saying, I can't, but you can. I I, I can't, but you can. Now, I know some of you are scared that it could be so simple because then you say, well, wait a minute. How is it that simple? Won't people take advantage of this gift? Don't you have to do something? But, but, But here's the thing. The reality is it would be absolute foolishness to let God save you from your sins, but that not have control to steer you away from your sins. Now, I was thinking about the old story of the Pope from many years ago. This is a previous Pope. He was on his way to New York City to speak at the UN. He gets on his plane but there's some challenges and it gets delayed. They have to reroute him because of a problem from New York to 
Newark, New Jersey. So he gets late. He gets in there late, and he's feeling stressed, but he goes, okay, I can make it in time. They get a vehicle. There's a driver who's there. His driver was still over in, in, in New York City. So get a driver. He hops in, his entourage with him, and they go. But as they're going, the driver, just to be polite, was not even going the speed limit. And the Pope begins to get a little nervous about this. He's late already, and, and he's patient for a while, but he's finally had enough. And he says, excuse me, I am very late. Can you please go faster? And the man says, oh, your holiness, I, I'm so sorry, but um, I have had so many uh, speeding tickets that if I get one more, they say they're going to take away my license. And I can't lose this job, so I'm sorry, sir, but I, I can't go any faster. Well, what the Pope did next absolutely shocked the driver. The Pope leaned forward and said, tell you what, son, why don't we swap spots and I'll drive. And the guy's like, well, you can't say no to the Pope. So he says, yes, sir. He hops out, Pope gets in the driver's seat, and he takes off like a shot. He's hopping curbs, running red lights. He's squealing around corners. They get from New Jersey. They get to New York City. And as they are getting closer to the UN, they zip by through a red light, and there just so happens to be a police car right there. The police pop their lights. They come, and they pull the Pope over. Can you imagine that moment? Well, the ticketing officer gets out. His partner stays in the car. The ticketing officer goes up to the Pope's ride, rolls down the window, and the ticketing officer is only there for about 30 seconds. Comes back, hops in the car, turns off the lights, takes off. And his partner says, what was that about? Why didn't you give him a ticket? And the ticketing officer goes, no, I'm not giving that guy a ticket. He said, why not? He's way too important. What? He goes, seriously, drop it. He's just too important. Who? Who was this? Was, Was it the mayor? No, no, man, not the mayor. More than that. The governor? No, dude, he was more important than the governor. Well, well, who was it? It wasn't the president. He goes, no, man, it wasn't even the president. He said, well, who else could it be? There's no one more important than the president. And the ticketing officer said, man, I don't know who it was, but he is so important that the Pope is his driver. Now, here's the point. If I want you to get anything, get this. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that when you let someone of greater value and greater authority take the wheel of your life, it elevates your position. And Jesus desires that you would be elevated into his kingdom, that your name would be engraved, that your hope would be assured, and that your confidence would be eternally with Jesus. And you can have that this morning if you simply receive it like a child. You say, how do I do that? Well, it's very simple. The the scripture says that that we repent of our sins. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, we are to say to God, we're sorry for what we've done. We are to repent. And then we are to put Christ on in baptism. Baptism is simply going down into the water and coming back up. And it's this moment that that God meets us in a beautiful way. Our sins are washed away and the Spirit of God lives in us. Now, I know we're not gathering together and you may be wondering, how do I get baptized? Well, we'd love to help you with that. You can reach out to us at this email address or at this phone number and we will reach back out to you as soon as possible. Or if you feel so bold, even you can just in the comments section there, just put the word baptize or baptism and we'll respond to you right away. And we'll help you take that next step. 
because not one of us, not one of us, not one of us does Jesus want to be separated from him. And he doesn't simply want to save you. He wants you to know with confidence that your position is secure in him. Oh, that God would waken us up to his perspective about our position. I know for many of us, we need to do business with God this morning. In a moment, we're going to take communion. But before that, let's prepare our hearts for a moment. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and sit up, get into a prayerful position. We're going to go into a time of prayer. And here's how we're going to do this. I want to ask you to put your feet flat on the floor, get comfortable, but be attentive. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Recognize that Jesus is there with you at this very moment. And I know with so much going on, we need to still our hearts and our minds. So I invite you to take a slow, deep breath. And then just let it out. And hear again the words of Jesus Christ from Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Or maybe we could add, do not rejoice that you have your health. Do not rejoice that you have all the money you need or the reputation or even the relationships. But instead, Jesus says, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 2, the Apostle Paul writes, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We're going to take a moment this morning and make some declarations out loud. And you say, what's a declaration? Well, a declaration is something that we say with our mouths that we either believe with our heart or want to believe with our heart. And so I'm going to lead us in saying out loud three declarations, and we'll say each one of those declarations three times out loud. Here's the first declaration repeated after me. God knows me. God knows me. God knows me. Here's the second declaration. Say this out loud as well. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And the final declaration. God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. 
O Father, every eye is closed, every head is bowed, every heart is open to you now. Would you meet us in the way that we need? For those who need reassurance of their salvation, would you give it? For those who need to be saved, would you do business with them and help them take that next step? And for those who are living joyfully for what you have already done in their lives, may they live it out confidently through all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you this week. And listen, again, thank you for joining us this morning. If you're not part of a group, you let us know. You can hit us up on our website at clearcreekcoc.org and we will help you get connected. But may God bless you. We'll see you again 